And now we are going to hear the start of that letter from Philippi, and we're going to hear from Kathy Railsback, who's joining us by Zoom uh, from her home at Ground Zero. And Adam is going to look that out for us. Good morning. Can you hear me okay? From Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus, to all those in Philippi who are God's people in Christ Jesus, along with your supervisors and servants, may the grace and peace from God our Abba and the Lord Christ Jesus be with you. I thank my God every time I mention you in my prayers. I'm thankful for all of you every time I pray, and it's always a prayer full of joy. I'm glad because of the way you have been my partners in the ministry of the gospel from the time you first believed it until now. I'm sure about this. The one who started a good work in you will stay with you to complete the job by the day of Christ Jesus. I have good reason to think this way about all of you because I keep you in my heart. You are all my partners in God's grace, both during my time in prison and in the defense and support of the gospel. God is my witness that I feel affection for all of you with the compassion of Christ Jesus. This is my prayer that your love might become even more and more rich with knowledge and all kinds of insight. I pray this so that you will be able to decide what really matters and so you will be sincere and blameless on the day of Christ. I pray that you will then be filled with the fruit of righteousness which comes from Jesus Christ in order to give glory and praise to God. Brothers, sisters, kindred, I want you to know that the things that have happened to me have actually advanced the gospel. The whole Praetorian Guard and everyone else knows that I'm in prison for Christ. Most of the brothers, sisters, and kindred have had more confidence through the Lord to speak the word boldly and bravely because of my jail time. Some certainly preach Christ with jealous and competitive motives, but others preach with good motives. They are motivated by love because they know that I'm put here to give a defense of the gospel. The others preach Christ because of their selfish ambition. They are insincere, hoping to cause me more pain while I'm in prison. What do I think about this? Just this, since Christ is proclaimed in every possible way, whether from dishonest or true motives, I'm glad, and I'll continue to be glad. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us, thanks be to God. Our song of response today is number 717. The tune will be very familiar to you. The words are new to us. Um, the tune is um, Come, Come Ye Saints, but with different words. Renew your church, its ministries restore. So let, let's stand as we're able and sing together. Restored both to serve and adore. 
Good morning. As I uh, was initially reading through this, the, this beautiful part of the beginning of the letter to Philippi from Paul, because Paul is writing from prison, he says so, uh, I thought of, of other uh, faith leaders and spiritual leaders who have written from prison. Uh, especially, I was thinking of uh, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King and his letter from Birmingham jail, which is one of his most well-known pieces of writing in which he addresses his challengers, the white clergy who are telling him to, to hold up, just like cool it already, enough with the protests, enough with the direct action, they're accusing him of being an outside agitator. And so he's critiquing these white clergy and other white progressives, challenging them to, for starters, maybe reconsider your praise of the uh, Birmingham police officers, who they say were, were admirable in their um, nonviolence, and King was like, well, hold up a second. Uh, maybe publicly they were, uh, they were a little soft in their words, but that's no, um, like, all the evidence of, of those of us who are experiencing the police is of, of violence and abuse. Uh, in so many ways. So this is a challenge um, to, to tell them about the, the necessity of direct action, of sustained protest by black people and their allies uh, in the advancement of justice. No change will happen without that. Um, and like Paul, uh, uh, King knows that the gospel will not be stopped, that the movement will not be stopped by the bars of jail, of a jail. In fact, it will only spread, it will only grow. So this is, this is what I was thinking about when I was at, at first reading this letter. But in fact, Paul's letter is not that. Paul's letter is not a letter of challenge. It's not a letter of, of protest. <clears throat> it is, it's as if, if King was writing to his closest, most dearest supporters. If King was writing to those who were of the same mind and walking, with, walking in step with him every step of the way, those who were in the movement with him, this is, a love letter. 
And it's in, and I see in these in these first verses, this, like it's a greeting. It's Paul's greeting, the beginning of the letter. I see sort of three movements. <clears throat> I see his expression of deep, deep gratitude and thanksgiving for these people, and then of encouragement and support, and of a response to his his well-being. They've expressed an an interest in knowing that he's okay in prison. Overall, like sometimes Paul's letters contain challenge, and in this one too, but always from this place, this well of joy and hope and love, holding fast. He's like holding fast for hope on behalf of these folks. Um, Those of you who have read or heard um, uh, abolitionist activist Miriam Kaba, and some of us read um, one of her books in book study, I didn't actually make it through the whole thing. I went to a couple of the sessions, but um, have listened to her speak a number of times. And um, so I know she's, she's well known by some, to some of y'all. Um, she talks about hope as a discipline. Hope is a discipline. And this is, this is one of the things she says. Always, I tell people, for me, hope doesn't preclude feeling sadness or frustration or anger or any other emotion. That makes total sense. Hope isn't an emotion. Hope is not optimism. Hope is a philosophy of living. Hope is a discipline that we have to practice it every single day. Because the world in which we live in, it's easy to feel a sense of hopelessness, that everything is bad all the time. There's nothing, nothing's ever going to change. People are evil, they're bad at the bottom. It feels sometimes that we're being proven in various and different ways, right, so I get that. I understand why people feel that way. I just choose differently. I choose to think a different way and I choose to act a different way. And she goes on, excuse me, to cite Jim Wallace, who also many of us I think know, founder of Sojourners, who talks about faith, faith being hope in spite of the evidence which I don't think is an original, original to Jim Wallace either. That might be Augustine. Um, but Jim Wallace says it's hope in spite of the evidence and then seeing the evidence change. Uh, which reminded me of, of Pastor Megan's preaching about Paul singing from prison, singing before the miracle. We sing and pray and act in hope for what has not yet happened. So Miriam Kaba is speaking not from prison, but she does advocate for folks who are in jail and in prison. <clears throat> and I think what Paul is doing here in this, in this letter to the Philippians is similar. He is holding hope. He is holding hope for all of the people that he's ministering to, even from behind bars. <clears throat> now, obviously, I am not in prison. But I thought I would write my own uh, love letter to this church that is my community. And so that is what this is. From Amy, daughter of God, minister of the gospel, to the beloved community of Mennonites in Seattle, worshiping in Lake City, living and serving in neighborhoods across the region on Duwamish land, and drawn together from even further by Zoom. I pray in gratitude and thanksgiving for you when I think of the years that I have spent in ministry in this place. When I came as a fresh-faced young pastor, sometimes mistaken for the youth with whom I was ministering, you offered me grace and space to grow in my pastoral identity. You have supported me through parenthood, given the gift of sabbaticals and ongoing growth, 
and allowed me to learn alongside you. Put your children in my arms to bless, knelt before me in baptism. You ordained me in my time with you. You have listened carefully to the Spirit's leading. You became a welcoming congregation, affirming queer kindred, even when many in the Mennonite church would not. You have grown and launched a community ministry, as we heard about this morning. You have prophetically called on the church to claim its identity as a colonial institution, and you have repudiated the doctrine of discovery, building relationships with and deepening your understanding of the first peoples of our land. You have imagined a jubilee vision for our congregation that is freeing us to release wealth and property in the millions into hands who have historically been excluded from that wealth. To create housing for those who have not had access to homes. You have continued to center the voices of those who have otherwise been pushed to the margins and yet still be rooted in community and unity and togetherness within this faith family. You have served, led, discerned, worshiped, sang, dwelled in the word, prayed, biked, eaten meals together, cared for children, camped, hiked, discussed books, and so much more in community with each other. Beloved of God, I encourage you to continue on this path, to keep listening for and breathing deeply the breath of the Spirit. Continue to claim this identity of welcome, of radical hospitality, of care. Let us be attentive even now to where God is working in our midst. With you, I look forward with excitement to what God has in store for us. Even today, as we exercise our imaginations about what the future of our space and our community will look like. These past couple of years have been hard. There's no, there's no doubt. I encourage you to continue weaving back the frayed edges. I love a quilting and weaving metaphor, and boy, I love to darn things back together. And I just encourage you to continue weaving back the frayed edges of this community caring for those who continue here and welcoming with love those who are still coming who are drawn to who we are as a mennonite anabaptist church in this city children of god you may fear the unknown especially as we release wealth and property that we have controlled for decades with jesus before us may we lean into that discomfort and may it grow our capacity for compassion. Larger and larger and larger, so that it is as large as God's own compassion for us. As we move toward imagining a new church building, may we remember that the church is us. It is not the building. That we are the dwelling place of God, and that we may imagine spaces that will reflect our desire to embody God in this place above all my friends i know that god who has begun a good work in you will make it flourish i pray that you will continue to be a witness to the good news of god's love and justice and of a just peace for all creation faithful to the way of jesus 
and blessed by God's Spirit. May it be so. Amen.